Okay, we're going to start here on the top of Kuflam and Gimel and Aleph by the two dots. Amamar, Basar, Afopi, Sheesham, Baharet, Imo, Divrei, Rab Yoshaya. So we saw before, we had a Matloket Tanaim that we brought before from the Braita. We learned from the Burbasar that even though there is a nega there that you still perform the milah. That was the position of Boshaya. Ha Lomali Kra. Why do I need a Pasuk at all? Dovar Sha'in Mitkavinu. Dovar Sha'in Mitkavin Mutar. We have already learnt in the Gemara Shabbat, if you do something unintentionally, that you're not held double for it. Not only you're not culpable, it's Mutar the Gamre. So over here, when you go to cut off the milah, you're not intending to cut off the nega. You simply want to cut off the orla to do the brit milah. So why do I need a pasuk to be matir this action if the action has no intent in terms of the nega or cutting off the nega? So a couple of things. First of all, we see that Dover Shein has broader application. It's not just applicable by Shabbat. It also has that application outside of Shabbat. Because here we're not dealing with necessarily a din of Shabbat. Dealing with doing a brit milah and cutting off a nega. Problem here is Hishamayar benegat that you're not allowed to cut off the nega. And the positive commandment that you're trying to accomplish is that of Brit Milah. So independent of Shabbat, the Gemara here is discussing Davrashen and Mitzkavein. That comes up in other areas as well, with Kilayim, other areas, but we know that Davrashen and Mitzkavein applies outside of Shabbat. We're making an assumption that Davrashen and Mitzkavein is Mutar, that's the sheet of Rabbi Shimon. There is his Baupluta. One who argues on him, who is Rabbi Yehuda, who says, Davr Sheinu Mitkavein is Asur. Rabbi says that the Limud of Rabbi Yoshaya is according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. Rav Amar Afilu Rabbi Shimon. Even Rabbi Shimon could be the author of this position, because Moda Rishimah, Pasek Reishe, Yomot. But here we're talking about a Pasek Reishe, we're talking back to the fact that it's inevitable. Even if it's unintentional, it's inevitable, because when you cut the Orla, you must cut the Baharit. The Baharit is sitting on the Orla, so it's an inevitable consequence of doing the Brit Milah will be to cut off the Nega. That's Pasek Reishe. Rabbi says that Rabbi Shimon agrees with Pasek Reishe, that Dover Shainu Mitkavein doesn't protect you. Ve'abaye lately ha'isvara. Wait, Abayi doesn't have that position. Veha. Every time in this Masechta that we've quoted this position, we always say, Abayi verovo da'amri tarvayu. Abayi and Rava both say, Moda Rabbi Shimon, but that Abai and Rava say that Rabbi Shimon agrees in a case where you take off the head, below Yamut, it's not going to die. That Rabbi Shimon agrees that even if it's Davr Shainu Mitkavein, in that case, it's not Mutar. It doesn't have the din of Davr Shainu Mitkavein. So, Bata de Shamami Rava, after he heard Rava, Savra, he took on that position. So, at first, he didn't necessarily have this position, but after Rava explained his position, then Abai adopted the position of Rava as well. And that's why wherever we quoted in the Masechta, we've quoted it as a position of Abaye and Rava, not just position of Rava. Some say over this discussion between Abaye and Rava, not like we did now on the Braita, but rather on this Limot. It says by the Negat Sarat that you have to be very careful with it. And then Pasuk says, V'la'asot. L'asot i'ata oseh aval. You can't actively or directly cut off the negatzarat, but you can indirectly cause it to fall off. You can do this by putting the lacing or strapping that holds your shoe on, and if the strapping then rubs up against the nega and the nega falls off, or you put a pole, you put a pole to carry a load on your shoulder, 
and the pole rubs up against the nega, and the nega falls off. Vimavra, avra. If it falls off, it falls off, no problem. Vaha, lamalikra. Why do I need a posuk to teach me that's a diok out of the word lasot? You're not allowed to do it directly. You can do it indirectly. Davashin mitgavenu. This is an unintentional removal of the tzarat, of the nega. Davashin mitgavenu mutar. Amar abaye, lo nitzuchai lo rabbi Yehuda. We only need it for rabbi Yehuda's position. Amar davashin mitgavenu asur. Virova amar afilu teimu. Rabbi Shimon, it can even be according to Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Shimon agrees when it's an inevitable consequence of the action that you're taking, then it's not mutar anymore. Therefore, even Rabbi Shimon over here needs a pasuk to be matir such a case. Bai does not subscribe to that position by Rabbi Shimon that pasuk is a problem and position within Rabbi Shimon, he adopted it as well. So now we have two memorot, again, that describe a pasuk that is matir, the removal of a nega. First time we added it at the bright, in a case of brit milah, that allows one to do a brit milah and cut off the beheret. A second bright or dosefta that has a limud lasot, only if you actively and directly take off the nega are you chayav, if you do it in an indirect manner, you are patur. Both cases, we have a pasuk min Torah to be matir, the action. Question is, both times it's a davashayim kavain. It's an unintentional consequence of the action. You are doing a brit milah, it happens to take off the negatzerat. You are carrying a load. You are wearing your shoe. And unintentionally, it takes off the nega. Why do we need a pasuk to be matir? The davashayim kavain is mutar. So by in both instances says, it's authored by Rabbi Yehuda, who says davashayim kavain is asur. And therefore, he needs the pasuk to be matirit. It's interesting only because most believe that even Rabbi Yudu, when he says, Dabir Shainu Mitkevin is Asur, that's only Asur Midir Abanan, not Asur Midoraita. Over here, he would have to believe that Rabbi Yudu believes Dabir Shainu Mitkevin is Asur, is Asur Midoraita, otherwise, you don't need a pasuk to be matirit. And that is because, as Tosafot notes back on Dafmim Aleph, Dabir Shainu Mitkevin, Bechola Turakula, according to Rabbi Shimon, is a matir, but in Shabbat, it takes on an additional meaning because of Malachet Machshevet. And therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Dover Sheinu Mikavain is Asumi Durabanan when you're dealing with Shabbat because of Malachet Machshevet. But outside of Shabbat, Dover Sheinu Mikavain is not just Asumi Durabanan, it's Asumi Duraita. And over here, we're dealing with an issue outside of Shabbat. We're dealing with Mila and Beheret. And therefore, Dover Sheinu Mikavain over here is Asumi Duraita, according to Rabbi Yehuda. Then we have Rebbe come along and say, no, even be Rabbi Shimon. Because in here, you're right. It's unintentional, but it's also inevitable. And when it's inevitable, then it becomes what we call that if you cut off the chicken's head, it's not going to die. Since that's the case, even Rabbi Shimon agrees by that you are chayav. And because of that, we need the pasuk to be matir, even according to Rabbi Shimon. The only addition of the Gemara in both cases is that Abaye also subscribes to that position, that pasuk Rabbi Shimon agrees that it's problematic. Gemara says that he learned that from Rabbah, and then after he learned it from Rabbah, he adopted that position as well. Now the Gemara says, what do we do according to Abaye? Alibad Rabbi Shimon, I basar, my According to Abayi's limud that the pasuk is being used for Rabbi Yehuda, then what does Rabbi Shimon do with the extra word basar? So he says, you know what, I'm intending to cut it off. Even Rabbi Shimon would agree that if he intentionally wants to cut off the Baharit, and that is his clear intent, you can say in a case where he does the Brit Milan unintentional consequences that he cuts off the Baharit. So there Rabbi Shimon says mutar. But if he says, I'm going to do the Brit Milan and I want to cut off the Nega, 
Now you're dealing with Dover Shi Mitkavain. There, Rabbi Shimon's going to agree it's problematic. And that's what he used the word Basar for. It says, Tinach Gadol. The word Basar appears twice. Appears once by Gadol, and appears once by the Katan. So by the Gadol, I understand what to use the Basar for, because the Gadol can have Kavana. But the Katan, by Katan, Katan doesn't have Kavana. He can't say, I'm intending to take off my Baharit. First of all, he's not even the one performing the Brit Milah. It's a case where the father says, I want the Baharit taken off. So this eight-day-old child, the father says, when you cut Mila, make sure you get that neg off with it. So he has intent for it. So the Lord says, If there's someone else there, they don't let the father do it. Give it over to someone else. Whenever we have an option to make a decision between an ase and a lotase, we have a principle, ase doche lotase. The ase overrides the lotase. Shimon ben Lokish, here in the Gemara in Yevomot, establishes a principle that that is the last resort. We only resort to ase doche lotase when we have no other alternative. If I have the alternative of being mekayim the ase and not violating the Lotas say we're going to opt for that rather than bring them into conflict and force it to be the Asei Doche Lotase. So here, if I have an option of bringing in a third party to do the Brit Milah, then it's better off to bring in the third party. You bring in the third party, then you're right. He does the Asei of Brit Milah. He will not be in violation of the Lotase of removing the Negat Because for him, it's Davashenu Mitkavein. He has no intention for it. He doesn't want to cut it off. He's almost indifferent cutting it off. And therefore, he can be kind to save Milah without violating the Lotase of cutting the Baharit, cutting the Nega. If the father does it, the father already knows, says his intent to cut off the Orla for the Milah, but also the Nega to be Mitaharit's child. He has Kavanah. So in that case, he's still mutar to do it, because I say Doche Lotase. On the other hand, he will have to invoke that principle of I say Doche Lotase. So if we have an option between third party doing it and him doing it, we're going to opt for the third party. So that's what the Gemara asks of here. Why not have a third party do it instead of the father? So it's Dover Shainu Mitkavain versus Dover Mitkavain. The Gemara says, there's nobody else there. There's no third party who can do it. There are a number of interesting things here. First of all, if it's a case of Pasigreshe, then why does it make a difference? Why does it make a difference if it's Pasigreshe below Yomot, that whether the father does it or whether someone else does it? If it's an inevitable outcome, then it doesn't matter. It all becomes one. This is another proof to the Shita of the Oroch. The Shita of the Oroch is that when you have Pasigreshe below Nechale, uh, that you don't care, you're indifferent, or don't want the outcome, then it becomes like a Dover Shein Mitkavein, it's Mutar Gamre. And that's what you seem to see from here. Here, if we bring in a third party to do it, and maybe it's Pasig nevertheless, we say, let the third party do it. Better the third party does it than the father themselves. Tosafot rejects this as a proof to the Oroch, because he says the Gemara only asked the question on Abaye and not on Ravah. The Gemara never asked the question on Ravah, differentiating between Acher and the father in the case of Ravah. The Gemara only raises this issue within the context of Abaye when he's talking about Davashenu Mikavain. So in the case of Davashenu Mikavain, there the Gemara raises the issue of the difference between Acher and the father because of the difference in Reish Lakish's statement between Aser, Docha, Lota, Senat. But the Gemara never raises in the context of Ravah, when we're talking about it, it's a post-Gresheh, Velo Yomot, the Gemara never asks about a differentiation between Acher and the father. And that proves to you that the Gemara doesn't see any difference between them, like the Shita of Tosafot, where post-Gresheh, Delo Nechaleh, is still only 
Kohen Isur de Rabbanan. So Malachah Shein Tzrikol Gufa, according to those of both, the better off to be in violation of an Isur de Rabbanan with the third party than to be in violation maybe of an Isur de Oraita with the father doing it, where it's a Pasuk Resha de Nechale. But outside of Shabbat, where there's no issue of Nachat Machshevet, Malachah Shein Tzrikol Gufa is going to be Kayav. And therefore, for Tosafot, there will be no differentiation in Pasuk Resha de Lo Nechale and Pasuk Resha de Nechale. And that's why the Gemara did not raise this issue with regards to Rova's position, only in Abaye's position when we're dealing with Dabr She'en Omikavein. But this is another area where we seem to see the Gemara favoring that position of the Oroch, where it's a Pasuk Reish Delo The thing to note here is interesting, which is, I read it as if the father was the one who's doing the Brit Milah over here. But that's not necessarily clear. It says, When we say that he is intending to cut it off, maybe the case is where he intends to cut off, that he's doing the Brit Milah. But what happens if there's no Mohel there? And he's telling them all he wants him to cut off the Neged Sarat. Is that still problematic? And the answer is yes. That the father, and we'll see this in Rashi in one second, I'll show you that Rashi seems to indicate that if you are present and you have the Mohel do it on your behalf, then the Mohel will act based on your Kavanah. Because you're present, because he knows your will, he's there to please you. He's there to do what you want. And therefore we consider it as if he, you, if you have Kavanah to cut it off, that's, a, that's enough that he's cutting it off, that'll have Kavanah in it. So if you look in Rashi, there, if there's a third party there, Rashi says, not only does the third party have to be there, because he doesn't care about being Meteor the child, there's no vested interest in the child being Tahor. He's simply there to do the Milah. The father should not be there. Why shouldn't the father be there? What does the father have to do with it anymore? What Rashi is teaching you is that if the father was present, the Mohel does not have independent Kavanah. When the father's present, standing over the Mohel, and then the Mohel is acting on his behalf, he's going to act exactly like the father wants. And that means if the father wants the Baharit off, the Mohel is going to be acting as if he wants the Baharit off. So only when the father is moved out or away from there can we say the Mohel can act independently. So therefore, those two pieces in the Gemara before were by Gadol and Katan. I said the father's doing the brief, and he does it to himself, and he says, I want to cut it off, or he does it to his son. Once it's cut off, it couldn't even be within a Mohel there. That he's not doing it, but a mole is doing it, but the father's standing there and watching the mole. As long as the father's present, we assume the mole is acting the way the father would have acted. In that case, it would be as if he had kavana to cut it off if that's what the father wants. It's only when the third party's doing it and the father's not present do we say that the mole acts independently and we can say that he is indifferent or doesn't really care about being with the hair of the child. This is from the Brighta that we saw yesterday. The Brighta started out, which is what we've been investigating until now, which is that ben bizmana, ben shlo bizmana, it's dochet etzarat. Greet me that. But the latter half of that bright said, Yom tov enu docha, ela bizmana bilvad. Milah is only docha, yom tov, when it's done on time. But when it's not done on time, it's not docha et yom tov. Minah hani mili. Where do we know this from? Amar chizkiya v'chein tanu debe chizkiya makra, lo totiru mimenu ad boker. It says, do not leave it over until the morning. Shein tamadomar ad boker. Ma tamadomar ad boker. So why do you have to say boker again? Baktubli tenlo boker. Tell you that there's a second morning for its burning. It's talking about the leftovers of the Korban of Pesach. It says that you should not leave it over until the morning. That which is left over until the morning has to be burnt. So the Gemara wants to know why do you have to say ad boker again? You say and then whatever is left over, whatever is left over, burn on the fire because you know that was in the boker. But yet it says whatever is left until the morning, then you should burn it. So now there's two ad bokers. The Gemara says, because it says boker twice, that comes to teach you that they cannot burn 
the leftovers of the korban on the morning after you eat the korban. Korban of Pesach is brought on the 14th. It's eaten on the night of the 15th. That's the night of Pesach. The next morning is Yom Tov. So Gemara says here that you're not allowed to burn the leftovers of the korban Pesach on Yom Tov morning. You have to wait till the morning of the 16th to Cholomoy in order to burn it. Why? Because the Sreifat Kodashim does not override Yom Tov. It's not Toche Yom Tov. And so, okay, great. So what does that teach us about Brit Milah? The way Rashi formulates it is that Korban Pesach is Korban Achol. It's a Korban that comes from a weekday because it's brought on the 14th. What you see is because it's a Korban of the weekday, it cannot override Yom Tov. And therefore you can't burn it on the morning of the Yom Tov on the 15th. And you have to wait until the 16th. Same with the Brit Milah. Milah Shlob is is equivalent to Olat Chol B'Yom Tov Dami. It's equivalent to bringing a Korban on Yom Tov because it's an action that can be done any day now. It's not particular to any day. There's no definition of the day. The day was the eighth day. But now that you missed the eighth day, you can do it any day. So it's as if it was a milad that belongs to a weekday and now you're trying to execute it on Yom Tov. So just like by the Korban of Pesach, you can't take the Korban Chol, the Korban of Pesach, and burn it on the morning of Pesach. So too, you cannot do the Brit Milah, which is classified like Chol, on Yom Tov itself, because it's in Uzmana. Bayam Arkra, Bayam says the Pesach says, it's another source. Olat Shabbat B'Shabbatol. The Olav Shabbat can be brought on Shabbat. The Olav Shabbat is Doche Shabbat. But the Olav Chol is not Doche Shabbat. And Olav Chol is not Doche Yom Tov. So you see from that, that it has to be something that's particular to the day in order to override the day. So Brit Milah, again, which has a Olat Chol, Milah Shalob is classified like an Olat Chol. Therefore, you cannot bring it on Yom Tov. You can't bring it on Shabbat, which is true. Can't do... Emila Shlobizmana on Shabbat or Emila Shlobizmana on Yom Tov. The only time you can do it is when it's Mila Bizmana. But Mila Zmana, we have a specific dispensation to do it on Shabbat. Because that gives you the right to do it. It gives you, it says, this is the day and no other day. That's what we learned for the word Bayom. We learned from all the Limudim we had yesterday that Mila Bizmana overrides Shabbat. But there we need a particular limud to say that it's Mila of Shabbat. It's not Mila of Chol. But it's Mila of Chol, which is Mila Shlobizmana. Then, you can't override Shabbat, you can't override Yom Tov. Okay, so Rav Amar, Amar the Pasuk says, Hu levado yaselechem. Hu levado yaselechem is the Pasuk that teaches us that Olchol Nefesh is permitted on Yom Tov. Because it says, Achasher yeachel lechol nefesh, Hu levado yaselechem. So therefore, Hu velo machshirin levado velo milash lo who is a mute? Only this, and not machshirim. Only things that have to be done on Yom Tov itself. Things that can be done before Yom Tov, you can't do on Yom Tov. Only things directly involved with Ochel Nefesh, those can be done on Yom Tov, and you can violate the Yom Tov for them. And the Vado, that alone, comes to be a mute to say, not milish lo bizmana. The Achya bikal v'chomer. Because had you not had the Pasuk, it would have come bikal v'chomer. Bikal v'chomer that we already invoked yesterday, which is matzarat that overrides avodah. And Oda overrides Shabbat. And we know when we say that Mila overrides Sarat, even Mila Shalom Bismano. Whether it's Bismano or Shalom it overrides Sarat. So you have Mila overriding Sarat, Sarat overriding Avoda, Avoda overriding Shabbat. That means Mila Shalom Bismano by the transitive property should override Shabbat. So had I not had a puzzle to say no, I would have thought yes from the Kavuchom or the Kavuchom that we invoked yesterday. Vashi Amar, Shabbaton Asehu. Vayom Tov, Shabbaton is an Asei. Therefore, Yom Tov and Shabbat as well involves both a mitzvah say and a mitzvah lotase. 
And you can't have a positive commandment come and override the essay and lota say of Yom Tov and Shabbat. That's true by Milish Lobizmana. By Mila Bizmana, we have a specific pasuk that's matir. We're not invoking the principle of essay Dochel Lota say. If you're invoking the principle of essay Dochel Lota say, you can't use that here because it's not just a plain Lota say. It's a Lota say and an essay. We described yesterday the two ways that Tosafot formulates that, whether that strengthens the Lota say, and therefore the essay cannot overcome it, or simply the essay Dochel Lota say is there, but you still have an essay left that you can't violate. One of those two, but but either way, you cannot override it through that position of Asay Dochelot say. If that's the case, then the only way to override it is to have a specific limud. And that limud we only have by Mila Bismano. So by Mila Bismano, we have a limud to override the Yom Tov, to override Shabbat. By Mila Shalom Bismano, we do not have that pasuk. We do not have that limud. Therefore, it's relegated to the normal dinim of Asay Dochelot And that won't function here because Yom Tov is an Asay and a Lotase. Right now, the Gemara continues and says, Call on my Rabbi Akiva. Give as a principle that things that you can do before Yom Tov, before Shabbat, you cannot override on Shabbat, you cannot do them on Shabbat. We pass in the like Rabbi Akiva. It's not now Migabe Pesach, Yagavno, the Mishnah Psachim that says the same thing. Call on my Rabbi Akiva. Come on, the Chef Sotomir of Shabbat, and Odochat to Shabbat. Anything that involves the Korban of Pesach, the 14th falls out on Shabbat, Erev of Pesach falls out on Shabbat, so you're allowed to bring the Korban of Pesach on Shabbat. But what is Doche Shabbat in terms of the Korban of Pesach? Only things that you couldn't do on Erev Shabbat, things that you couldn't do beforehand. For instance, Shechita, Shaft in the animal, you can only do on the 14th, so it has to be Doche Shabbat. Shiev Shalasotum Er Shabbat, Doche to Shabbat. Other items, for instance, whether it's cutting off a belt, a mum on the animal, something that would cause it to be pasul for the Pesach, that you can't do that on Shabbat, bringing it from outside the Tchum, or carrying it from Shut Yachid to Rishut Rabim, all these items, you could have prepared the Pesach from beforehand, you could have had it there beforehand, that you can't do on Shabbat, because that you could have done beforehand, so it's not mutar to violate the Shabbat for it. But anything you could have done beforehand, you're allowed to violate Shabbat for Again, they pass an aloha like Rabbi Akiva. And the Gemara wants to know, but Tzricha, why do I need both times? Why do Rabbi Yudha Marav pass an aloha like Rabbi Akiva twice? They pass an aloha here in our Gemara with regards to Mila and Shabbat. And they also pass an aloha like Pesach and Shabbat. Why do I need it twice? It's the same aloha. The same aloha is, if you can do it beforehand, not Doche Shabbat. You can't do it beforehand, it is Doche Shabbat. Had you only taught me the aloha by Mila? Because no din of karet, of a Pesach, dika karet, emolidachu Shabbat. I would have thought that the machshirin are not docha Shabbat by milah, because it doesn't involve a chiyuv karet. Pesach, if you don't bring the korban of Pesach, you're chayav karet. So maybe there it's so powerful, can even override the machshirin or override Shabbat. So we don't want the person to miss out on the korban of Pesach when there's a chiyuv karet. So I need you to tell me by Pesach, the Allah is like Rabbi Kippa. Now this isn't so simple. Because there are two mitzvot that say that involve a chiyuv karet. The two mitzvot that say that involve a chiyuv karet are korban a pesach and brit milah. So how can the Gemara here say, oh, korban a pesach has a chiyuv karet, brit milah doesn't have a chiyuv karet? The answer is that brit milah does not have exactly have a karet. Now, first of all, if you're a katan, then milah does not have a karet associated with it because you're a lav bar onshinhu. And even the father, the father is never a chiyuv karet, even if he doesn't give his child a brit milah. The karet only happens when the child grows up and becomes a gadol, then he gets karet. And even if when he grows up, he only gets karet 
if he dies without getting a Brit Milah. If he does his Brit Milah while he's a Gadol, then he removes the Chiyuv Karet. So the Chiyuv Karet by Milah is different than that of Korban Pesach because it doesn't exactly happen all the time and it's not certain that it will happen, the Chiyuv Karet. So therefore, maybe I would have thought by Milah where Karet is like a distant thought. So that's why the Machshirin are not Tocha Shabbat. By Korban Pesach, where if you don't do the Korban Pesach, you're Chiyuv Karet. Right then and there, if you don't do the Pesach and you were available to do it, then maybe that should be Doche Shabbat if there's Machshirin that are holding you up. The answer is no. If you only told me by Korban Pesach that Aloha is like Rabbi Akiva, I would thought that's true because Korban Pesach is not so unique. It has a Chiyuv Karait, but it doesn't have Yud Gimel Britot, the 13 covenants that were assigned to it. Which has the word Brit. Associated with it, when Hashem speaks to Abraham, 13 covenants involved with it, Shabbat. So maybe, Korban Pesach, that's not Tocha Shabbat, but Brit, which is so chashuf, there's this Yud Gimel Britot associated with it, that that should be Tocha Shabbat, the Machshirin should be Tocha Shabbat to accomplish Brit Milah. Tzricha, that teaches me, no, the Allah is like Rabbi Kiva here as well. The Allah is like Rabbi Kiva at Pesach, the Allah is like Rabbi Kiva here to teach us, that no matter where, machshirin that can be done before Shabbat are not dochet the Shabbat. Anything that could have been done before Shabbat, that is dochet Shabbat. All right, next Mishnah. Usim kol milah b'Shabbat. You're allowed to do anything that is necessary for the milah and Shabbat. You're allowed to do mohalin. You can do the milah itself. Uporin, you can do what's called priya. Umotzitzin, and you can do the mitzitzah. Now each one of these are three different stages in terms of being mesir the orla. Mo'alim is to cut the orla itself off. That's the skin that is over the upper end of the member. You're that you have to cut off. That's the orla. Then on top of that, you have to do what's called priya. Priya is peeling back the top layer of skin from the edge of the gid to peel it back, that's called priya. And motzitzim is mitzitzah, that the wound that is caused, that the mole has to suck the blood out. And the Gemara will talk about why he has to do that. But these are the three stages of milah. Each one of them is me'akev. These are all things that must be done in the milah in order for the milah to be accomplished. And therefore they're doche shabbat. Benotin aleha isplanit vikimon. And you can put on it, after the milah is done, you can put on it a bandage. And kimon and cumin, which are curative, they're put there in order to allow the milah to heal afterwards. Vilo shachak merv shabbat. If he didn't grind down the cumin before shabbat, and he needs to use it, then we don't allow him to grind it down. Even though technically we're in a stage of sakana here, we're in a stage of pikuach nefesh, and you can technically do anything. Nevertheless, loes b'shinav. We tell him to chew it in his mouth, and then put it on there. To crush it down by chewing on it because, so as she says, as much as we can change here, as much as we can do a shinoi, we say please do a shinoi. Now the possibility here is one of two reasons. Either because even by bikuach nefesh, we say it's dechuya and not putra. By bikuach nefesh, we say, try your best not to violate the Shabbat. But if you have to, you have to. So that might be the reason. Or even if Pikuach Nefesh is Chutra, Pikuach Nefesh is totally Mutar Legabei Shabbat, over here, we might say, don't do that. Do it in a way of a Shinoi, because either Milah is not such a big Sakana, it's not such a big Pikuach Nefesh, or because over here, you have the ability to anticipate it before Shabbat. Number two is you put them into the Sakana on Shabbat. So those two reasons might say, let's minimize the Chilul Shabbat here. taraf yain and mer Shabbat. If you didn't mix oil and wine before Shabbat, which is medicinal in nature, you should put the oil on and the wine separately onto the wound in order for it to be curative. You're not allowed to make it a specific 
tight band that fits on it. They used to make this tight equivalent like a finger glove to put on it to stop the orla from slipping back forward. In order to hold it in place, they used to tie this finger glove onto it, onto the member, in order to hold it in place. So you're not allowed to make one of those smartut. You can tie around it a rag or a bandage. And if he doesn't prepare before every Shabbat, then you can wrap it around your finger, and then carry it, even from somewhere else. Again, number one, we don't make this type of finger glove on Shabbat, but nevertheless, you can tie the smartut, you can tie the bandage around in a way that simulates that effect. That you can do. If you didn't prepare the bandage from beforehand and you need to bring it, don't bring it carrying it. Wrap it around your finger, wear it, do it in a way that's a shinoi in order that you minimize the violations of Shabbat to bring it. And the Gemara says, Tani. says, Kulo, it writes down all the things you need to do in terms of the milah, which is mo'alim. Purin and Motzitzin. So it already tells you all of those items. Kol Tzarchei Mila Latuyemai. So now, why does it have to write that Kol Tzarchei Mila you're allowed to do on Shabbat? You already listed out what are the Tzarchei Mila. Why do I have to say again Kol Tzarchei Mila? What does that come to the kud? Latuyaha Ditanu Rabbanan. Comes to include that which the Rabbanan learned. Hamal, person who's doing a Mila, Kosmanchu Osik Mila, as long as he's engaged in Mila, Chuzer, he can go back. Ben alatzitzin ha'me'akvim et ha'milah. Ben alatzitzim she'en me'akvim ha'milah. He can go back on the pieces of skin, the shreds of skin that are me'akev the milah. If you don't cut them off, it would be problematic. Or even the pieces of skin that are sticking out, that would not be ma'akev the milah. Now what's ma'akev the milah, as Rashi says over here, around the atara, you have to have it be rove, majority surrounding it, that would be ma'akev. So if those are left over, you can certainly go back and finish them off, because the milah is not done yet. If the milah is not done, of course you can finish it off. But here, even if you have pieces of skin that are not around, that don't make up the rove, nevertheless, if you're engaged in the milah, you can still cut those off in order to finish the milah. Perash, if you already left, you're already stop doing the milah, then if there are skins or pieces of foreskin that are makhev the milah, then certainly you're allowed to go back because you haven't accomplished the milah yet. So you have to finish the milah. Aval, when it comes to tzitzim she'ein ma'akvim et milah, ain't chuzer. Little pieces of shreds of skin that are not ma'akvim the milah, that you can't go back and fix up after you've already stopped the milah. There's a lot to discuss about this. I'm going to postpone it until we get a little further down into the Gemara, because the rest of the Gemara relates to the discussion in Machlokat HaPuskim here about what is said in this piece here. Man Tana Peresh Enul Chuzer. Who is the one who says that once you've separated, you're not allowed to go back? Amar Rabba Barcha, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shmuel Benosh Rabbi Yochanan Ben Brokai. It is Rabbi Shmuel Benosh Rabbi Yochanan Ben Brokai, who we bumped into earlier in the Mesechta, back on Daf Kupte Zayin, which is the Tanya of a bright Arba, if Erev Pesach falls out on Shabbat, Mavshita Pesach Ada Chazet Di Rabbi Shmuel Benosh Rabbi Yochanan Ben Broka. Remember, Rabbi Shmuel Benosh Rabbi Yochanan Ben Broka only allows you to flay the animal to cut the skin off until the point where you reach the chazeh, until you reach the chest, because then you can get out the fats that you need to put on the mizbeach for the korban pesach and you can get them out in a manner that won't have hairs get caught in them or ruin them. That's the maximum of fling that you're allowed to do. On the other hand, the chachamim or mimavshitin et kulo, you're allowed to mimavshit it like you do on a regular weekday, you can do the entire thing. So Rabbi Yishmael ben Ober Shabbi Yochanan ben Broka says you got to stop. The Rashi claims over here, the way that the Mishnah describes have shaped the fling of an animal, the animal is hung upside down from the legs, and then you start flaying from the legs down towards the chest. 
and you open up the animal that way. After you reach the chest, you stop and you cut off the head. Cut off the head and then you start slicing parts of the ivarim, parts of the limbs off, and then you go back to flaying. So in the process of flaying, there's a stop. Because you stop flaying, you go engage in the cutting off of the head and other things, and then you come back and finish the flame. So it's equivalent of our case here, where you've stopped, and then you continue later. So what the suggestion of the Gemara is here, is that the Chamim say you can go back and finish it. Rabbi Shmuel, Benosher of Yochanan ben Roka says, once you've stopped, you can't go back, because it's Shabbat. And since you didn't finish it up front, you can't go back now and continue, which would equate it to our case of Mila over here. Gemara says, why do you have to compare them? Mimai. Adkan lokamai Rabbi Shmuel, Benosher of Yochanan ben Roka, atam ishim delo ba'inan, zekeliv'an ve'yu. There's no issue of hidur mitzvah by hefshet, the flaying of the animal. If you flay it nicely, that doesn't do anything for gvoah, that doesn't do anything for God, and the only thing that you need in terms of Hashem is getting the innards, the fats, out cleanly. And according to Bishmol, if you cut to the chazer, that's sufficient opening in order to pull out the fats and do it without any problem. So there's no Hidur Mitzvah. Over here by Brit Milah, there's an additional aspect of Hidur Mitzvah. The additional aspect of Hidur Mitzvah is that I cut off even the pieces of skin that are not Makiv de Milah. If there's shreds of skin or pieces that are left over that to make it look like it's not a clean cut, then for that part we say do it properly and clean it up. So maybe Rabbi Shmuel ben Oshur Yochum Baruch only say his position by Korban Pesach, but by Milah he would not say that. He would say continue, go back and do it because it's Zekeli Vanveyu. Titania, we have a bright dump. Zekeli Vanveyu. This is my God Vanveyu, and I will adorn him. I will praise him. Hitnael Fanabi Mitzvot. You should come before him, beautifying the mitzvot before him. Asel Fanab Sukana should make a beautiful sukkah. Vilulav Naeh should make a beautiful lulav. This shofar na'ev, and a beautiful shofar. Tzitzit, na'ah, should make beautiful tzitzit. Sefer Torah na'ev, you should make a beautiful Sefer Torah. V'katuv bo lishmo, bidyo na'ah, and you should write in it, lishma, with beautiful ink, b'kumus na'ev, with a beautiful quill, b'lav lavar uman, with a great sofer, and you can wrap it up with beautiful silk. You should adorn the Sefer Torah with silk. So this is the Mikor for what we call Hidur Mitzvah. That not only is in the performance of the Mitzvah that one does the Mitzvah, but within the Mitzvah we want you to be Mahader. Do things in a way that beautifies the Mitzvah. Something that not only you're doing the basic Mitzvah, but you're doing it in a way that enhances the Mitzvah and makes it more beautiful. Abba Sholomer ve'anveyu. Habidomelo. Vanveyu is not mean to beautify, but rather... Anivahu, me and him. Havi domelo, be like God. The equivalent of what we have in other places, the Gemara and Sotav, Alachta bidrachav, follow the ways of God, which is here. Mahu chanun verachum, avata eye chanun verachum. Just like Hashem is chanun verachum, that Hashem is gracious and merciful, so too you should be gracious and merciful. What we have here is the din of Hidur Mitzvah. Now this has major, major implications throughout Shas. Now first of all, whether there's anybody who believes that there's no din of Hidur Mitzvah, the only candidate for that is Abishol over here. Abishol is the only candidate to say that there is no Hidur Mitzvah because he takes away the Limud. He uses the Pasuk for something else. Despite that fact, the Shagas Ayyeh argues that even Abishol agrees that Hidur Mitzvah. This is just on top of that. He dashes on top of Hidur Mitzvah. There's also this aspect here which is to emulate a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So he says even Abishol agrees that there's Hidur Mitzvah. 
The question you have to ask is, is he mitzvah adin de oraita, or is he mitzvah adin de rabbanan? Which would have enough kamina as to cases of safek, whether we go to humra because it's a din de oraita, or do we go to kula because it's a din de rabbanan? The chidushay and sheshem in brachot in the dape rif seem to indicate that it is a din de oraita, whereas the ritva and the Beit Yosef seem to believe that it is a din de rabbanan. Not a din de oraita, the Beit Yosef discusses this, brings down both opinions with regards to whether it's a din de or a din de oraita. And in addition to that, it will also have implications in terms of whether Hidr Mitzvah is just a din lechatchila, or is it even a din bidiyavid where it could be posseld mitzvah if you don't do Hidr Mitzvah. Because the Bahag invokes the principle of Hidr Mitzvah in the case where a person takes a lula of an etrog upside down. When you pick up the lula of an etrog upside down, are you yotze the Mitzvah? The Bahag says no. You know why you're not yotze the Mitzvah? He says because... It's a lack of Zekeli Van Veyu. So you see from the Bahag that he thinks that it's a problem of Zekeli Van Veyu. He said it will sell the mitzvah. Rashi as well in the Bara Sukkah, when it comes to Bulava Yavesh, Dreda Bulav, is Pasul according to the Mishnah. Why is it Pasul? Rashi says because it's a lack of Zekeli Van Veyu. It's a lack of Hidur Mitzvah. So you see Rashi also invokes it as Posel the mitzvah. First of all, there might be two types of Hidur Mitzvah, and that's what Rav Soloveitchik in Mishmut Shirim wants to establish that there are really two types of Hidur Mitzvah. There's what we call objective Hidur Mitzvah, and there's subjective Hidur Mitzvah. In objective Hidur Mitzvah, that's where Rashi says that it's a psul. If you don't have this Hidur Mitzvah, it's not even a good lulav. Because generally when we say Hidur Mitzvah, Hidur Mitzvah is something that we do lechatchila. B'diyeved, it should be fine. But yet we found by the Bahag, and we found by Rashi, that it's even posel the mitzvah. If it's posel the mitzvah, first of all, that means that it's probably doraita. But number two is it also means that it's, what, how do you call that hitter mitzvah? Hitter mitzvah is something that's above the mitzvah, something that enhances the mitzvah. It can't be the mitzvah itself. So whatever, so the agent wants to differentiate and say that there's a hitter mitzvah which is objective. You have to have a certain level of hidur within the mitzvah to be the basic or meet the minimum requirements of the mitzvah. A lulava yavesh doesn't meet those minimum requirements. That's objective hidur. That type of hidur can be posel the mitzvah. There's another level of hidur mitzvah, which is the enhancement above and beyond the mitzvah, which is that by, for instance, the arba minim, the Torah tells you to do hadar, do something even more beautiful. That's what we call relative or subjective hidur. I have this etrog. The next one is nicer than this etrog. That's a comparison between two. I can see one is nicer than the other. That type of hidur is lechatchila, but b'diyevet, you don't have to do it. It doesn't affect the mitzvah. It doesn't detract from the mitzvah. You can still accomplish the mitzvah without it. So that's those two types of hidur mitzvah that you have to keep in mind. Another possibility to reconcile between when hidur mitzvah is posel even b'diyevet versus when it's only a problem, lechatchila is offered in the Rishimat Shurim, where Rav Salavetri wanted to suggest that when Rashi says that it's posel do lulav, or he has another case in Gitin, where if you write over the Shem Hashem, when he did a Shalom Lishma, Rav says you can write over the name and make it Lishma, that's only if you have one or a couple of names. If the entire Sefer Torah is done wrong and then you have to go over all of them, but so, because it's Minumar, it's a problem of Zekeli Van Veyu. Rosalvechik wanted to suggest there that's only when it has Shem Shemayim Aleah. That the Psul of Zekeli Van Veyu only applies when God's name is associated with the mitzvah. By Sefer Torah, it's clear. Also by Lulav, Gemara and Daflamid Vov, Amud Bed and Sukkah, says that the Lulav has an association of Shem Shemayim on it. Because it has an association of Shem Shemayim, there may be... Zekeli Van Veyu becomes a psal, not just a hidor that you have to do in the mitzvah, but it becomes integral to the mitzvah because Shem Shemaim is involved with it. So that might be a differentiation between a hidor mitzvah that's not ma'akev and hidor mitzvah that is me'akev. 
The next question you have to ask is, how does Hidra Mitzvah function? How does Hidra Mitzvah work? And this will have major implications over here in our sugya. We're talking about Hidra Mitzvah. Is Hidra Mitzvah, number one, independent of the mitzvah? It's in addition to the mitzvah. You do the mitzvah, and then you have an independent kiyuma of Zekeli Van Veil, Hidra Mitzvah. Or, does Hidra Mitzvah become part and parcel of the mitzvah? Every mitzvah, or embedded in every mitzvah, is the aspect of doing Hidra Mitzvah. But I do the mitzvah, and when I do Hidra Mitzvah, it makes the mitzvah even a bigger mitzvah, or a better mitzvah. The question will come up, for instance, when two people take an etrog. When two people take an etrog, one takes a regular etrog, and the other one takes a really beautiful etrog. Ruvain, who took the regular etrog, he was making the mitzvah of... Arba Minim of taking the etrog. Shimon, who took the beautiful etrog, he was also Mikhail in the midst of Arba Minim. But what else? Was he Mikhail in the midst of Arba Minim? Behidur, that's one way to say it. Or, was he Mikhail in the midst of Arba Minim? Plus, he was Mikhail another mitzvah called Zekeli Van Vehu. That's the way to formulate this difference. And that might be a Machloketab Mishonim, and the Achronim really take this issue up and bring it up in many circumstances. With regards to issues in Neirot Chanukah, the issues of Milah over here, and the issues of Lulav. Now, what happens in our case over here? Gemara here claims that the Tzitzim She'enam Yaakvim is a Hidra Mitzvah. So now you see something very interesting. It says that, according to Rashi, Rashi says, when did this Milah take place? This Milah took place on Shabbat. This Milah took place on Shabbat, and here the Moel's in there cutting off the Milah, He's finished the milah, but he realizes he's left over some tzitzim she'en mekakvim. He left over some pieces of the skin that are not making the milah. And yet, what do we say? Go ahead, cut off the skin. Take off those little pieces. Why? That's hitter mitzvah. Hitter mitzvah is not doche shabbat. The mitzvah milah is doche shabbat. Hitter mitzvah is not doche shabbat. What do you see from that? It's pretty clear from Rashi that the hitter mitzvah is embedded in the mitzvah. That the hitter mitzvah is not separate from the mitzvah. It's part and parcel of the mitzvah. And therefore, as long as you're engaged in the milah, then doing the Hidr Mitzvah is as if you're engaged in Milah itself. Not engaged in Hidr Mitzvah, you're engaged in Milah itself. That's why you're allowed to go cut the extra pieces. Then, once you separate, you cannot go back and do it. Why? Because Rashi says, Kula chada miltohi. It's all one action. So that's the other way to formulate it, you could say. Maybe Hidr Mitzvah is separate. But as long as you're in a singular action, or you're engaged in a singular action, when you do the action for the Milah, you can also do the action for the Hidr Mitzvah, and that'll be okay on Shabbat. So maybe you don't have to say that Hidr Mitzvah is part and parcel of the Mitzvah. As long as it's within one action, then that is Mutar. As long as you continue the action of cutting the Milah, then you're allowed to also do the Hidr Mitzvah because it's one action. As soon as you separate, then you're asking us to engage in a new action. Engage in a new action, then Hidr Mitzvah is not Dochet Shabbat. So those are the two possible ways to formulate what's happening here. Is Hidr Mitzvah part and parcel of the Milah? And that's why I'm allowed to do it on Shabbat? Or, is it separate? But because it's done in one action, Therefore, it's mutar on Shabbat. But if I break, break it into two actions, then I can't do it on Shabbat. The real Nafikamina comes up in the Rambam. The Rambam, when he formulates his halacha, does it in a very cryptic way. And it seems that the Rambam thinks this case is on Chol, is on a weekday. Unbelievable Rambam. At least the way the Gesu Mishnah reads it, that the Rambam thinks that on a weekday, if the mole is in there, then he's allowed to cut off the extra pieces that are there. Once he leaves... It doesn't go back and cut off the extra pieces. Now, on Shabbat, I understand that problem. Because on Shabbat, if I go back and it's only Hidr Mitzvah, that's not Dochet the Shabbat. Or going to Rashi, it's two separate actions, not Dochet Shabbat. On a weekday, why can't you go back and clean up the extra pieces? The answer is you're good, but it's not Hidr Mitzvah anymore. Hidr Mitzvah only applies when you're engaged in the Mitzvah. Once you've done the Mitzvah, you can't engage in Hidr Mitzvah. Hidr Mitzvah only applies when it's part and parcel of the Mitzvah. So what the Rambam is suggesting is that when the Moel is in there doing the Milah, 
and he cuts off the extra skin that's not makkev, that's hit or mitzvah, because he's engaged in the mitzvah. You can have hit or mitzvah when you're engaged in the mitzvah. But, once you've already stopped doing the mitzvah, now you want to go back and cut it up, that's not hit or mitzvah anymore. You're done. You can't have hit or mitzvah independent of the mitzvah. That's why maybe the Rambam formulates it in that way. And again, we gave Rashi two options, but from the Rambam it seems that he thinks that either mitzvah is part and parcel of the mitzvah, since it's part and parcel of the mitzvah, you can only engage in either mitzvah when you're engaged in the mitzvah. If you're not engaged in the mitzvah, you can't do either mitzvah. Now this comes up in other contexts. So I'll just give you an example. There's a Chubat Rabbi Givayger. On the eighth night of Chanukah, you'd start to light the candles. You lit the first candle. You forgot to make a bracha. Can you now make a bracha? You already did the mitzvah. The mitzvah is near Yishu Beitel. Lighting one candle is enough. That's it. You're done. So now you're, what you're doing or what you're engaging in is Hidr Mitzvah. Can I make the bracha on mitzvah? Talaka Nera Chanukah? Now that I'm engaged in Hidr Mitzvah. Tzubat Rabbi Kiva Eger says, yes, you can. Hidr Mitzvah. You see from that Rabbi Kiva Eger that Hidr Mitzvah is part and parcel of the mitzvah. He allows you to make the bracha of lighting Hanukkah candles on the Hidr Mitzvah, on the additional candles that you're lighting, the other seven candles that you're lighting. From there, it's pretty clear that the Hidr Mitzvah, the additional candles, are part and parcel of the original Mitzvah. And in that case, you can make the bracha on all eight of the candles, not just on the first candle. If you saw Hidr Mitzvah as being totally separate, then there's no way you could make a bracha on Hidr Mitzvah. You can only make a bracha on the Mitzvah of Nerot Hanukkah. Again, the Achronim deal with this a lot in this type of definition or how you separate Hidr Mitzvah. As a derivative of our sugya. I heard in the name of Rabbi Willig that, for instance, if someone has to get stitches on Shabbat, they have a cut, and they are permitted to go get stitches done on Shabbat because there is sakana, there is risk of infection, they have to stitch up whatever the cut is so that they don't bleed. Now, once they are already stitching up the wound, then to add in extra stitches by the plastic surgeon in order that it also has cosmetic effect on the individual, that would be permitted as long as the surgeon is involved in the original process of stitching. So while they're in the Maiseachat of stitching, they can continue that Maiseach in order to do the additional stitches to make it cosmetically nice. On the other hand, if the wound is sealed up with the stitches, and then after the fact, now you want to come back and stitch additional stitches for the cosmetic reasons, cosmetic stitches are not Duches Shabbat. So this explanation that we had in Hidur Mitzvah, that Maise Achat, like Rashi suggests over here, is a matir to allow you to do the Tzitzim She'en Ma'akvin, would have a similar ramification in terms of stitching, where you stitch the basic stitches, you're allowed to continue to do the additional stitches or better stitches for the cosmetic reasons. But as soon as you're Puresh, as soon as you stop and you've solved the problem, the medical issue of stitches, then we're not going to allow you to violate Shabbat for cosmetic reasons in order to go back and restitch or stitch better so that it ends up being more cosmetically aesthetic in its outcome. Right, that's just a quick overview of this sugyo because this is one of the main, main sugyo to deal with Hidr Mitzvah. Now the work continues. We don't have a source, we don't have an author for this position over here that once you stop the Milah, you can't go back to it. Whether the moon was seen clearly in the sky or not seen clearly in the sky, they didn't come to Yushalayim to testify they're Mechalela to Shabbat to go there because Eidul HaChodesh is allowed to be Mechalela to Shabbat. But even though it was seen clearly in the sky, they didn't come anyway. Rabbi Yossi Omer, near Rabbi Aliyo, it was seen clearly in the sky, Amy Chalini of Shabbat. But not Michal Shabbat, because we assume Beitin saw it. We assume that everybody knew about it. So why do we need you to be Michal Shabbat to testify about it? So now again, how does this connect to our case? Because Rabbi Yossi says, even though there's a mitzvah, since it's not for Tzorah Chubowah, we're not Michal Shabbat. So here, even though the mitzvah of Eidu Tachodesh still exists, 
But since we don't need it to be Kovea the Chodesh, because we know that Beit Din already knows about it, because it's clear in the sky, therefore we tell you, don't be Mechalel Shabbat. So that'll be the same thing over here. As long as you're engaged in the Mitzvah, Mechalel Shabbat. As soon as you're Poresh, we don't say to you, go back and be Mechalel Shabbat, because it's not necessary anymore. If it's not necessary, don't go back. Maybe Rabbi Yossi, like in Kiddush HaChodesh, will be the author of our Mishnah here, Bimila. The Gemara says, Mimai. How do you know that? Mimai. Dilmad, Kan Lokamai Rabbi Yossi Atam, Dolo Nitna Shabbat Lidachot. Over there, we don't allow you to even start Kilo Shabbat. Over there, you don't even begin to engage in Kilo Shabbat because you know Beit Din saw the moon. But over here, Hafanina Shabbat Lidachot, you already violated Shabbat. You did the Brit Milah. You already opened up Pandora's box. You already started the Milah. Once you start the Milah, maybe, then Hochi Dami, over here, you can continue. Even after you've been Parish, you can go back and finish off the Milah, even though it's not Davar Me'akev. El Amri Naradai Rabbanan de Bri Aleid Rabbiosihi. The author of this writer that we brought before about the Tzitzin Shein Me'akvin is authored by the Rabbonon of Rabbi Yossi, the Tzran. Arba'a Kohanim Nichnasim. Four Kohanim go in. Shnaim Biyadam, Shnei Sdarim, Ushnaim Biyadam, Shnei Bazichim. Here we're talking about the replacement of the Lechem Apanim. Lechem Apanim, they used to exchange it, they used to change it on Shabbat itself. So you have the Kohanim that go in, you need four Kohanim to engage and bring in the Lechem Apanim. Two of them have the two stacks of Lechem Apanim. There are two stacks on the Shulchan of Lechem Apanim. So each queen carries in one of the stacks to place on the Shulchan. You also have two that are placed on the Shulchan that you are makriv on the next Shabbat in order to be matir the Lechem. So they bring in, each of them has that one of the Bazichim, the kapot, the spoons or holders for the Levona to bring and put on the Shulchan. So that's four. But four enter before them. Shnaim lito shnei the first two go in to take off the last week's Lechem Apanim. Ushnaim litoshnei bazichim. And two to take off the Levona that's on the Shulchan from last week. Halach nisim omdim mitzafon upem lidarom. The people who are going in, bringing it in, stand in the north, and they face south. Vamotzim, those that are taking out last week's Lechem Apanim, stand in the south. Bidarom upem litzafon. And they face north. That's where the Shulchan sits east-west. Sits east-west. So one group stands on the north, and Rashi claims that in the north, because the north is more chashuv, wherever you have an option, you go to the north. I would argue when Rashi says here, you go to the north, is because when you're facing west in the Mikdash, going to the north is right. So that means the reason you go to the north is because that's the right. Not because it's north itself. But we know by Kodshei Kodashim that their shecht in the north is more kudushat in the north. But be that as it may, so they, they set it up here as the ones who are bringing it in, who are more chashuv, they stand in the north. And those that are removing it stand in the south. And what they do is they feed it in. Elo moshchim, elo menachim. The ones who are bringing in the new one, push it in, while the other ones are pulling out the last ones. They're within a tefach of each other. The Lechem Apanim has to be permanently in front of me. Tamid. Tamid means you don't want the Shulchan to be naked of Lechem Apanim. So how do I do that? I slide in on one side and I pull out on the other side. Even if you take it off now and they come in an hour later and put it down, that's still called Tamid. So what do you see from here? Or this is what the claim of the Gemara is. I don't think it's so simple, but that's what the Gemara assumption is. That you have here... A break between the placement and the removal. According to Rabbi Yossi, the break's not a problem. I take it off now, and then I come back and I put it on later. That's not called an interruption. That break in between is not called an interruption. Even though they're two separate masim, Zizif, Dachem was there to me, was there all the time. On the other hand, the Chachamim believe that 
Tamid, if you stopped the action, if you had put it on and then stopped and brought in the new ones, that would not qualify as Tamid. The only way for it to be Tamid if the action is continuous. So therefore, the Chachamim here are the authors of that position before. As long as you're engaged in the Milah and it's a continuous action, then you're allowed to be Michalel Shabbat. Once you've disengaged and now you want to go back, that's a separate action. That's not considered to be a continuum. Right, Rabbi Yossi, even with that separation of time, that's considered to be a continuum and tamid. The truth is, their machlok may not be about that. It might simply be about the word tamid. What does it mean to be tamid? Does tamid mean continuous? Or does tamid mean that every day that it's there? That on a regular basis it's there? So if I take off the challah, as long as I replace it before the night day is over, then on that day the challah is there. That might be enough to be classified as tamid. Or does tamid literally mean continuous? And that's what the chachamim believe. They could be arguing in the definition of tamid, not like the Gemara is assuming here, that they're arguing about whether it's a continuous action or not. But it's clear here that the Gemara thinks that that's their machloket about continuous action, and therefore they apply the chachamim of Rabbi Yossi to be the authors of the position that we brought over here, that as long as he's engaged in the milah, he can go back on tzitzim she'en makvim. If he separates, he's not allowed to go back on the tzitzim she'en me'akvim. Tarabanan, mehal katinet milah. You're allowed to trim the milah. Velo hilkeit anush karet. And if he doesn't trim the milah, then he gets a karet. Mani, who gets the karet? Amrav kana uman. The one who gets karet over here is the mohel who's doing it. Now what karet we're talking about here is not the karet of milah, we're talking about the karet of Shabbat. Because if he didn't trim it back, he did not accomplish the milah. He didn't do milah. And therefore he made a chabura on this individual without accomplishing milah. And that's why he's chayav karet. He's chayav karet because it was on Shabbat. He violated Shabbat, but he didn't do the mitzvah milah. Matkif Papa, uman the woman can say, I began the mitzvah, you needed to finish it off. I wasn't engaged in the chabura. I didn't do anything wrong. I started the mitzvah, you guys just needed to finish it. Elam Rapapa Gadol. Rapapa says, the one who's chayav here is the Gadol. Meaning that the person who has the milah done to him, he's the one that is chayav right here because he doesn't have a milah. This is even on Chol, even on a weekday, because he remains in Arel. He remains in Arel, and now he'll be Chayav Karet if he doesn't get a Milah. That's explicit in the Pasuk. He doesn't have a Milah, of course he's Chayav Karet. We're talking about the Mbohel, going to Atha Benesh Mashot to Shabbat. Comes, shows up at the tail end of Shabbat. You don't have enough time to do the Milah before Shabbat is over. And he says, I think I do have enough time to finish it. And sure enough, he does it, but he stops it. And he doesn't finish the Milah on Shabbat. Here, what he ended up doing was, he didn't finish the Milah until after Shabbat. Now you're right, Milah v'zman az doche Shabbat, that's only if you complete the Milah on Shabbat. Over here, he only finishes the Milah after Shabbat. So then, with the Chaburah that he made on Shabbat, was not necessary. The Milah was never accomplished on Shabbat, and therefore he is Chayav Karit. And Rashi says, it's not Chayav Mitah, because... Number one, he doesn't have hatra'ah. And if you say they gave him a warning, he didn't accept the warnings, he says, no, 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 I can do it, I'll make it. It won't be a problem. So he is chayav karet, because he violated Shabbat by doing this chabura, but he won't be chayav mita. Okay, motzitzin, mitzitzah, this is a very controversial area, what we call mitzitzah bepeh. Amar papa, hai umna delomayit sakanahu vavrinanle. Any mohel that doesn't do mitzitzah, it's dangerous to the child, and we remove him from his position, he's not abi amol anymore. It says, pshita, dekalei mechalalei shalei shabbat sakanahu. The fact that the Mishnah mentions it, one of the items that you're allowed to do on shabbat, that shows you if you can be mechalal shabbat for it, the only reason we allow you to be mechalal shabbat is because there is sakanah. The Mishnah says, mahu detei mahai dam mifkod 
Pokit, I would have thought that the blood is just sitting on top of the wound. It's not internal, it's just sitting on the wound. And since it's sitting on the wound, when you do the mitzitza, you're just removing blood on the surface. So you're not violating the Shabbat. And that's why it's mutter on Shabbat. Mashallah, no, chubure mechbar. That the blood is inside the wound. And when he does the mitzitza, he pulls the blood out. He makes a petach. He's doing something that's violation of Shabbat. That's the Kamash one over here. I would have thought the reason mitzitza bepez allowed is because there is no violation of Shabbat. There is no chilo Shabbat. That's why you're allowed to do it. The answer is no. There is chilo Shabbat. And that's, despite that fact, you're allowed to do it. And what does that teach us? That teaches us that it's a sakana. And that's why you can do it. But dumi dispane vikimon. And it parallels the bandage and the cumin in the Mishnah. Ma, ispane vikimon gloabit sakana. Oh, just like there, we don't do the bandage and the cumin. Then it is a sakana. Fachanami. So to over here, the mitzitza, igloabit sakana. That if you don't do it, it is a sakana. Now, most people today do mitzitza through a tube, and they don't do mitzitza bepet to not expose the child to any germs or any problems. There are some people who are very makbid on mitzitza bepet to do it directly on the wound. Moel has to be very careful if they are going to engage in this, that Moel has to be very careful that he's not a carrier of any communicable diseases because it really can endanger the life of the child. It can really cause problems for the child. The law just went to effect, I think, in New York now, that any MOA who wants to do Mitzitza Bebet must register and then get checked to make sure that they have no communicable diseases in order to protect these children. And you have to get consent from the parents in order to do it. But those that want to continue doing Mitzitza Bebet, at least they should do it in a responsible manner. Otherwise, most of the poskim believe that you can do mitzitza bapeh by using a tube, you suck up through the tube, and therefore you don't have to put the mouth directly on the wound of the milah. Nothing ala isplanit, you put on it a bandage, I'm rabaya, I'm really aim. My mother told me, isplanita de kulon keve, the best bandage, the best solution to any wound is, shabminei tarba, seven types of fat, vichad kira, and one type of wax. You mix them together, and they make up this fantastic bandage that is a salve for the wound. Rav Amar, kira, vikalba, reshina, Rav says that wax, kalba, some claim that the reshina was added in later, but this kalba reshina is a white resin. The two of them are really good for the wounds. They are the best type of bandaging that you can do to cure the wound. Darsha Rav Mechuza, Rava got up in Mechuzah and was Doreshi Berabim. Karinu Bnei Minyumai Asya Laminayu. Bnei Minyumai, who were the doctors in town, they were Kriya on their Bigadim. Basically, he gave away their Parnosa. They knew how to make these bandages. They knew the secret to making the bandages and they were able to cure it. People had to come and pay them for it. Now, he told everybody the secret. They no longer going to have any Parnosa because everybody knew what to do now. He says, I left you one thing that I didn't say that people have to still come to you for, which is Damar Shmuel. If anybody washes their face doesn't dry off carefully. He breaks out in pimples, in blisters. As Rashi says, shchin. The word chaspanita is from the word chaspa, which is cheres, which is a description of some of those diseases that they have in the tochacha. So that's what you break out in it. How do you solve that? How do you rectify it? You should wash very carefully with water of the beet or with beet juice. It's in water where you boil the beet in the water. Or it's literally beet juice. You should wash carefully with that and that removes this problem. Okay, we'll stop over here.